giant robot smashing into other giant robots. This is the Giant Robots Smashing Into Other Giant Robots podcast, where we explore the design, development, and business of great products. I'm your host, Victoria Guido, or Tori, and with me today is Brian Ferretic, founder of Blossom, the community marketplace to buy, sell, and trade plants. Brian, thank you for joining us. Hey, it's great to be here, Tori. Great. I'm, I'm excited to hear more about Blossom. Why don't you just tell me a little bit more about the concept? The concept actually happened in kind of the end of 2019. And I've already been like a uh, plant enthusiast for a couple of years. I was actually just going on my way to uh, for a surf in my town of Ocean Beach, San Diego. And I stopped by this garage sale. And when I came back to pay my neighbor, I brought this rubber plant that I propagated just as like a neighborly gift. She like flipped out. She was like ecstatic. She's like, oh my God, I'm such a huge plant person. Thank you so much. Why don't you come in uh, into my backyard and I'll give you the plant tour and you can pick something out. And what was cool about this was like, it wasn't just like a simple exchange. It was like this hour long interaction with the, you know, someone that lived four blocks from me that happened to be this big plant nerd like me. And I got her whole story. She went through all these different species I didn't know about. And then she let me pick one out, which I still have to this day. It's this Crashula succulent. When I was walking home, my new plant, I was like, oh, wow, like I got to go download the app for this. I would have never known this person that lives four houses away was a big plant person like me. And when I got home, I just, I searched the app store, I did a Google search. I just couldn't find like what I was looking for, which was basically like this plant swapping, plant connecting platform where I could find, you know, fellow plant nerds in my neighborhood. And so that kind of set me off on this path, did some more research uh, and decided, I was like, no, I'm going to, I'm going to commit to this and make this happen for, for myself and just for my, you know, for my community. Well, what do you think makes someone a plant person <laughs> or like a, what do you, how do you describe yourself? A plant nerd. What sets that user apart? We'll say it's like on a spectrum where people can like shift along the spectrum. But I'd say when people start treating their plants more than objects and more what they are, there's these living things that they're beautiful. They bring people joy. I find it therapeutic to take care of them. And then the beautiful thing about it is that these plants grow and you can propagate them and share them with your friends. And I think that is a critical aspect of this whole plant person thing. So the plants have become a little more like pets and you can grow them in a way that creates a community around your friendship and your local area. Yeah, exactly. That was actually the, the early signal about this whole plant world is that I saw people creating plant-dedicated Instagram accounts as if it was, it was your dog or cat. And that was something that I realized this is a different type of person. This is like a very passionate person willing to, you know, like, you know, they're so proud of their plant babies, we call them. <laughs> <laughs> right. And uh, it's funny you say plant babies. I have when I think of people I know who I would consider plant people, they do talk to their plants like they're babies. They're like, oh, it's so cute. <laughs> or like, oh, he's not feeling so well. So I, I think that's great. And and so you started to do some research into this community, into this group. Uh, what surprised you about your early findings? This was actually something that I didn't realize until as I dug deeper was that I thought that it was only going to be a local thing. 
people wanted to experience what I what I did with Sandra, who's the neighbor I swapped with. Uh, this in-person connection, swapping, checking each other's gardens out and house plants. But I learned very quickly that people ship plants to each other, not only within like your own state, across the country. And this is this is global. And I was just like, how do people ship plants? Turns out I, I do it all the time, you know, almost weekly now for years. That aspect was critical to realize that, all right, this plant community doesn't necessarily have to be bound by like physical in-person distance. It can connect online and people share all over via, via shipping. That's really cool. So you decided that there's like a whole international community. So is that when you decided to really start building something like an application to help people? I remember... Um, just throwing this idea out to a lot of different friends, like various backgrounds. And I was like, hey, what do you think of this idea about like, you know, connecting people through, uh, you know, this shared love? And there was not one person who thought it was like a terrible idea. And then I remember talking about it with a roommate at the time. And basically the same thing. I was like, hey, man, you know, imagine people connecting through the shared passion. Like, who knows? Maybe even love can blossom. And he was like, dude, that's what you should call it. You know, I was like, oh, that's a great name. It's stuck, uh, you know, it's over about three and a half years now. And it's stuck ever since. I love that. <laughs> uh, about like sharing love and, and how the name came about. And just like, you know, starting with your friends and people you knew and bouncing ideas off of them. But your background is not specifically in technology. So what about your background applied? And what did you have to learn? new to go along this journey? So my whole career, I've been involved within the, the science sector. I actually moved to San Diego to pursue graduate school in neuroscience. I was very like curious about kind of full neural networks and how those contribute to behavior. Actually, the, the PhD program I wanted to get into at UCSD, there's a specific lab doing this really cool research with um, this new innovative like imaging technique. And I applied twice. I didn't get in. And so I went into biotech. But I would say probably two things helped me. Like I realized now going through this like entrepreneur path, things that helped train me for this was definitely graduate school where you're, you're pretty much broke the whole time. My lab didn't have too much funding so you had to be like really resourceful and creative to like figure stuff out without like minimal resources. And that's like perfectly summed up like the last couple years, just like figuring stuff out. But all right, we have no money. How do we get awareness of our products when we can't spend, uh, you know, we don't have ad spend or marketing budget and just kind of requires you to get creative and think outside the box and just really think, all right, what do I do here? And, you know, I came up with some call like hacky type strategies that have been very effective. <laughs> well, very cool. It sounds like, um, you know, you found your team now to start working with you on this in a very scrappy way. Um, so how did you fill in those gaps, um, maybe in your knowledge or your background and how to get this done by the people that you grew around you? Uh, for me, it wasn't too difficult. Well, one, my background, I'm very naive with tech at the time and just programming uh, in general. 
So my, my first task, I laid out three options. It was like, one, I can learn how to code. And I dabbled in it for a week. And I was like, man, there's just no way. <laughs> <laughs> Two, I was like, I can outsource it uh, maybe somewhat cheaply. But I don't know if I had, I don't want to spend all my savings on it. But more, I knew that, you know, say you come out an MVP product, the product always is growing, adapting, evolving, or you encounter bugs. And I could just see how like full of friction the process would be if I had to like, all right, we have found a bug, send a contract out, they have to set the contract. And I just knew progress would be too slow to operate in that fashion. And third option was like find a technical co-founder and pursue this dream with a you know buddy. I was just like, all right, who who do I know that is into computer stuff? And that's that was my thought. And my first guy, I, I pitched it to. He was a friend I went to college with at Bucknell University, and he was like. I think this is a good idea, but he's like, I'm going to retire probably in five years. And this is going to be a very lengthy thing. He's like, I'm, I'm not interested. The second guy was extremely down for it, but turns out he didn't know how to do any mobile app development. He was just a consultant. <laughs> mm. And so the third and who I ended up working with was uh, my surfing and climbing buddy, Nick Mitchell. You know, I just knew he did like computer type stuff. You know, I pitched him the idea. You know, he was like, what's up with this this plant thing? And I was <laughs> like, oh, dude, this is like a, you know, this is a rapidly growing mar uh, market. Um, I, kn I know the ins and outs really well. I know this audience. Uh, I'm one of them. He wasn't sold until he heard an NPR piece talking about like the houseplant boom. And then his father sent him an article from the New York Times saying how millennials are embracing house plans and, and driving this new like house plant market. And so I think this is like maybe end of December now in 2019. Mm -hmm. And he hit me up. And of course, like he's like, oh, dude, I want in. Let's let's do it. But I also want to make sure like I knew, you know, he could actually do what was the task at hand. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so right. I had my other first friend vet his like GitHub and stuff just to make sure. Oh, cool. <laughs> and uh, he was like, yeah, you know, he, he looks good, worth a shot. And it turns out Nick is, you know, excellent. He did all the front end, back end. He built this whole app basically from scratch it's pretty amazing what he's capable of. So I got it right on the third, the third try. <laughs> That's funny. And I'm not surprised it came from networking in the climbing community either. Right. There's a lot of smart, uh, definitely a lot of smart people in the climbing community. And uh, those, those are like my closest friends now. So it's kind of cool to find someone in that place. Right. I've been climbing with friends before and you know, you're talking about work or whatever. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm also like a, you know, Azure architect, <laughs> but you know, you're like some specific skill that's related to what you need. And I think it's, um, it's like a similar cultural mindset of people you want to be working with too. Yeah, I, I think um, maybe that's just me. So yeah, so okay, so you found your partner, you had someone who had like all the skills that you needed to make this happen. Uh, how long did it take until you really had something you were proud of? So for for me, I was I was laid off in August of 2019. Uh, I was working at Celgene, 
and they got acquired by Bristol Myers Squibb for like seventy-two billion. So massive merger, and I was kind of getting over the field, and so I was already basically unemployed. Nick, when we started like actually working together, like, and uh, we'll just call it like January twenty twenty. Um, started working on it casually, and then the pandemic happened, and then he got laid off. And his he did about a three month stint before he he got another job at ServiceNow. But within those three months, he really cranked out like a full like MVP. And then I had about you know probably like at least sixty or seventy people I knew like beta test the project uh, the the product for feedback. And just like initial thoughts. And so that was like a very critical time where it's like, all right, we're all locked down. We have this cool idea. Let's just crank this out. So we, we had an MVP pretty quick. And then we actually launched it in June 2020. And I was, I was already very stoked about the product. As long as it did its core thing, which is connecting people through this shared love, I knew it was like a proper test, uh, a good enough test to see if this is a worthy endeavor. That's really cool. And so was there any like surprising feedback that you got from that initial beta testing? Uh, yeah. So <laughs> the the initial concept was essentially like a Tinder for plants. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I just I was thinking this idea like, if people could just swipe on plants they've uploaded and then if both people liked a particular plant and they swiped on each other and they matched, it would open up a chat and then it would connect them. And it took the, I thought the, one of the, the issues with bartering in general, people like, Oh, I would love to swap that with you. And they're like, Oh, well, what do you want to swap? What do you have? And a lot of times people don't align with what they have and what they what they want to swap. So I figured that would get this kind of friction out of there. But like still the core was like connecting people. And then very quickly people like found it fun. And this is still a feature right now on Blossom, which we've moved now to the homepage and it got a lot of got a lot of engagement and interactions on it. But one of the simple changes was like, all right, maybe this is not the optimal way to present these plants people are uploading. Nick actually drew a lot of inspiration from OfferUp. And was like, oh, this is like very simple. Uh, this is a very clean way to present these things. So we started getting inspiration from OfferUp, and we, we changed that kind of swipe card functionality just to a scrollable grid. And that was like a great insight on his part. And, you know, it's something that's been core to the product from that point on. That's so cool. So I can just go in the app and see the whole list of plants that people are willing to trade. Right. I would actually I would say another thing that happened very early on too was once again like bartering, it's not the most efficient way to exchange things with each other. And, you know, within weeks we were seeing people being like, Oh well, what do you want to swap? And um people like, Oh well I don't you know, I don't want to swap for that. I already have that. And then other people are like, hey, I don't want to swap anything. I just want to buy it. And then other people are like, hey, I don't have anything, but how do I get stuff for you? So right away, we we opened it up to like full marketplace kind of functionality with 
buying, selling, and trading. And we didn't have necessarily any payment system to facilitate that. We would just connect people and then they would use like Venmo or PayPal or Cash App or things like that. That makes sense. Giant robot smashing into other giant robots. Now that you have funding, it's time to design, build, and ship the most impactful MVP that wows customers now and can scale in the future. ThoughtBot Liftoff brings you the most reliable, cross-functional team of product experts to mitigate risk and set you up for long-term success. As your trusted, experienced technical partner, we'll help launch your new product and guide you into a future-forward business that takes advantage of today's new technologies and agile best practices. Make the right decisions for tomorrow, today. Get in touch at thoughtbot.com liftoff. Now you kind of got your core features figured out um, and you see people engaging with the app. What are you the most excited about on the horizon in your roadmap? We're about to actually finish the uh, Techstars Accelerator next week. Next week's our demo day. It's been such a great experience. Feel blessed. But during this time, we're really figuring out, like, what's our big vision with Blossom? And we, we kind of went back to really harp on, like, we're more than, like, just as e-commerce or marketplace. We're, like, this special, passionate community where people can do this buying, selling, trading. One of the things that's been the trend for, for years now is, you know, instead of just photos, we're about to integrate some video functionality. This is a lead in to like the bigger goal and idea is creating this, you know, we're calling this full plant experience focused around kind of, you know, live video where people can engage with each other on this totally different, like intimate level and can really showcase their like, you know, their plant collection, give each other the plant tour. How do you take care of this plant is another big topic that always comes up. It's just hard to really decipher what's wrong with something just from like static images. And we imagine we could have like live plant help and then people can just show their plant up to the camera and be like showing a whole, really holistic view of what's going on. And so this this vision of of live with video and creating a more complete plan experience centered around really the, you know, using um, the community as this way to, to promote that and really build that even further. That's very cool. I mean, I think I've, I've talked to you a little bit before about this giant fiddly fig I have in my office. <laughs> it's going to the ceiling and, you know, I got it from Home Depot, so it may not be the highest quality. And, and I've asked you about like, is it alive? It keeps dropping leaves. So if I had a video and I could just like show you around and like show you where like the leaves are browning a little bit and like where it's not growing, I could see the value in having that interaction like that. Yeah, exactly. No one's doing that. And um, definitely want to keep innovating this space. We were first to market many years ago, and then actually we have some direct competitors that are blatantly just copying us, like copying email templates, uh, features. And on one hand, it's flattering, but also we realize we have to be careful about positioning and you're making sure we stay ahead of the curve. And we think this is going to be the future and something that delivers really extreme value to this demographic. Absolutely. And you, know, you mentioned you're a part of a tech accelerator. Could you tell me a little bit more about like choosing which program you went to and, and how that's affected your overall approach to your app? Yeah. So 
Last year, we uh, added two more team members. So actually, Nick's younger brother, Calvin, we poached from Amazon, which felt really good. (laughs) Uh, Then we had uh, another, me and Nick had a friend, Ari Almos, who um, we knew he had experience in the startup world. He started, uh, I think he was co-founder or CEO of, of a few other social mission startups. So he understood just the fundraising process was probably the most critical um, trait we're looking for. Just someone that can help refine our systems, our processes, things like that. So now we're a team of four and we were like, all right, we need money <laughs> if we want to keep this alive. And you know, I've been full-time since idea conception. Ari joined full-time. Nick and Calvin both had jobs, but we just knew it's critical for like a high potential startup like ours to really grow. We needed some sort of fundraising. And it seemed logical. We we gave our shot at proper fundraising with some angels and VCs last year and it went there's very encouraging signs, but didn't necessarily translate to any checks being written for us. And then we applied to a bunch of accelerators. Y Combinator and Techstars were our top two. We got a, a few rounds of interviews from Techstars and the director, Ryan Cooter, who's who's great, he's actually based in San Diego. And you know, I credit him to definitely being a key component here because I, I knew he really liked us. He saw like the really good complimentary team we built. We had a pretty mature product with, with traction and, a, and an active user base. And we, we accepted and it did a lot of things for us. It was our first proper fundraising beyond like a Kickstarter. So Nick and Calvin became full-time once we got in. And then we just had this like, you, know, you have access to this massive network and get this really detailed one-on-one mentorship. We had almost like six or seven mentors that we met with weekly. They're always available to help. And probably the coolest thing about it is they're they're just there to help you. There's no like two-sided, like, I'll help you if you can help me. Mm-hmm. We are here to help you build, grow, accelerate your business. And they, they gave us really good insights on direction, really formalizing how to, you know, build in systems that will last much longer than the three-month program that essentially just, you know, mimic a lot of stuff we've done in the program within our own team, like hosting little daily stand-ups every day. We've always done weekly meetings, but, you know, using that time more efficiently, knowing how to test and measure more effectively. They really just refined our company to be a proper business instead of four dudes trying to make this cool plan app. That's really cool. And I wonder now, like after you've had this experience, what advice would you give yourself if you could go back in time when this all started? First thing that popped my head was, and I kind of knew this going into it, like this is like a big project that needs time. Things that prevent startups usually is one, you don't execute or you just don't start it at all, or you give up too soon. And I guess I would tell myself like, hey, things are going to be all right. Like just keep sticking with it. And you're getting all the signals. This is this is something substantial and like worthwhile. Just be patient, stick with it, you know, survive those valleys. And like there are peaks on the way. And getting into tech stars was the ultimate validation. Yeah, I feel extremely blessed to be in it. And I think we're poised to do big things this year. That's very cool. 
So, you know, you've mentioning just like those peaks and valleys and how much time you have to spend on this type of starting a company you know, and building an app. Uh, how do you balance that with also having a regular life and going surfing and climbing? It's tough to find your specific balance. And especially during the accelerator where I, I didn't want to waste any opportunity. So, you know, there were a lot of times, I think January was like a month straight, no days off and actually was injured. So I couldn't surf, climb or even play piano. So all my outlets, but just be okay with setting aside time to where you don't think about work at all. And it took me a few months to reach that point. And I found that as long as I have one activity or some exercise per day, either a surf or climb, I'm good. I don't mind working 12 plus hour days if I have, if I do one of those. And then just to allocate one day of week where I'm like, oh, I do a couple hours in the morning, but like one mostly day of don't think about work, just enjoy life. And that has been enough for me to feel like refreshed going into like the next week. And so I think I got a good rhythm and I got a good formula for what works for me. Might be different for other people, but important to set aside time where you don't think about it. Right. Yeah. Just to turn off your brain. And sometimes I find like, you know, you mentioned surfing and climbing helps you do that because you really just can't be on your phone <laughs> when you're out there sometimes. Right. It's kind of funny because it's, I don't want to say it's a catch 22, but sometimes those things can be distracting, but they're also like necessary for you to be focused. <laughs> that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Let me uh, bring it back to plants. What is your favorite house plant that you have right now? Man, it's changed over the years, but I, I do have one. It's like the most popular high in demand one. It's the, the Monstera Elbow. It's common counterparts, just like the Monstera Deliciosa, which is all green. This one has white variegation on the leaves. They're just inherently beautiful plants. Like anyone that sees it can be like, wow, that is gorgeous. But I have one specific one why it's my favorite is that years ago, telling a climbing friend about, you know, about the app and I guess the app's out by now, but telling her about it and she's like, oh, my mom or my grandmother was a huge plant person. My mom now takes care of them. I think she has one of those Monstera plants with the white on it. It was my grandma's though. And I was like, no way. I have to see this. And when I get there, she has this massive one, incredibly mature and old. I think she said it was like almost 50 years old. I can't even believe this. Wow. And then I asked her, I was like, hey, can I, <laughs> I was like, can I have a little bit of that? <laughs> and she was like, oh yeah, just go ahead. Like, this is a plan. I'll grow back. <laughs> I felt a little bad. So I, I took like a nice big cutting, like multiple leaf cutting. And she absolutely did not care and just was so happy. Turns out she had three of these like big mother plants. There's one cutting that had very low variegation. So it showed barely any white on it. Over time, I grew it out. Every subsequent leaf kept showing more and more white. And now it's just so beautiful. I, you know, I check up on it like every day. And every new leaf is just more beautiful than the next. And it's, it's a special one. It, it was gifted to me by my friend's mother. Um, it started off like you can say like a lowly variegated plant. Now it's just thriving and beautiful. 
So it has like some history and, you know, it came from a friend. So without a doubt, that's my favorite one. <laughs> that's really cool. Yeah. I know what those monasteras that you're talking about, they're really interesting looking plants. I kept one alive for a short time and I'm very proud of myself for it. <laughs> so I'm interested in using Blossom to like keep my plants alive, possibly. Oh, but that's awesome. Thank you so much for sharing that. What else can I ask you? Is there anything that I should ask you that I haven't yet? Well, we could actually segue from what you just said. Um, this is an interesting thing. So I think everybody who's been through this has has went through this exact process. So they have they have a couple plants. They're like, what's wrong with my plant? How do I take care of this? And they go down like, you know, the Google rabbit hole or they happen to buy one of these plant ID plant care apps. Usually they're like freemium. You get a couple free tries and then you have to buy a subscription or whatever. I also did this and I was like, you know what? These apps, these apps suck. They just don't work or they're too general. The best plant advice you can get is from other plant people. Because there's so many variables, like which growing zone are you in? Uh, what kind of light do you have? What's your ambient humidity, temperature? All these factors come into play when how to properly care for your plant and what could be wrong. And the best advice I've gotten was just from other plant people. And so we have, uh, like, beyond this, like, the marketplace grid, we have this fully functioning community forum, essentially like a Facebook group in a way where people can post questions about what's what's wrong with my plant or like what plant is this or share memes and you know just just nerd out and it's been such a critical component I think of blossom to cultivate this you know this community but it's also just very functional and effective because it's really the only way to get that advice and care information is by interacting with other people that's something we want to build upon in the future too, with like that whole live and video capabilities. Yeah, that makes sense. Just a, like a funny story. Sometimes I'll call my mom, who's a big plant person, and ask her questions, and she's like, "Well, you should go check that book I got you." <laughs> <She's> <laughs> not helpful at all. <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I think that's right. Like, you know, I think people get excited about like AI and image recognition, but sometimes it's still easier to get a real effective answer from a human. Yeah, that'd be curious with the whole like AI is getting like it's, you know, spotlight right now. And without a doubt, I could see applications there for it. Um, right now, I don't think that exists, but very curious and exciting to see what happens with all of it. It's going to be cool. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. And I'm excited that what Blossom does is really create this community around plants and learning about them and, and with the people around you. Do you have any final takeaways for our listeners? Hmm. Final takeaways. You know, shameless self-promotion. If you love plants or you're getting into plants, you know, Blossom is, is tailored for the plant person. That's what I think makes it special. In more general, I, I never intended to be the, the entrepreneur. I never intended for Blossom to be like, oh, this big tech company. I just, I just had something I was super passionate about and wanted to see you know, come alive for myself and for other people. Without a doubt, that passion paired with like perseverance, I think are critical attributes to follow any idea through the end or through some level of success. To not be afraid to take that leap, by no means has it been easy. It's been like the most difficult thing I've ever done, but also the most rewarding. It's been really fun too. So if you got a cool idea, you know, maybe try to build out a 
find a good co-founder, a good team, give it a go and create something, you know, for everyone. Well, I really loved your story, Brian. I think it's found your niche. You built something, you took advantage of the time you had when you had it and and look where you are now. Yeah. <laughs> I'm very excited to see what comes next. Cool. Well, yeah, thank you so much for having me. This has been uh it's been lovely and uh yeah, stoked to listen to the, the next episodes too. Excellent. You can subscribe to the show and find notes along with a complete transcript for this episode at giantrobots.fm. If you have questions or comments, you can email us at hosts at giantrobots.fm and you can find me on Twitter at Victorious G. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot and produced and edited by Mandy Moore. This podcast is brought to you by ThoughtBot, your expert strategy, design, development, and product management partner. We bring digital products from idea to success and teach you how because we care. Learn more at thoughtbot.com.